This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, we'll look at last night's action in the West Virginia girls section playoffs. We'll look at the boys uh, section matchups that were released yesterday, at least some of them anyway. With the NFL draft a little more than two weeks away, we'll look at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest mock draft. It's a mock draft 4.0. And the Pirates and Padres played one of the more fascinatingly, is that even a word? Fascinating it is today. Fascinatingly bad games last night. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the morning rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential workday. Several ways to get involved on the show. As always, hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or uh, my personal page at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Uh, that name will be changing shortly. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, shamo. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day. Minus commercials, uh, just for you. So if you miss uh, part of today's show or any previous show, uh, it's all right there. Got a lot of changes coming up here uh, in the next couple of weeks. I mentioned earlier this week that on Monday, May 3rd, uh, the show's moving back to 6 o'clock. Still going to be two hours. But instead of being 7 to 9, it'll be 6 to 8. Which I'm sure will make my uh, my boy PB very happy. Haven't heard from PB in a while. Ever since we made the shift, we used to be 6 to 9. And then we moved 7 to 9. Ever since we made that shift, I haven't heard from my boy PB once. So maybe getting back to 6, uh, PB will be back on board. Uh, calling the show and giving his two cents. Also... With these changes, we hope, I hope, fingers crossed, prayers to the sky, we have a cell phone in the studio to finally take your text messages. Only been trying to get that for the past year and a half. But hopefully that'll be here and, and we'll be streaming the show online. Hopefully, hopefully. I am cautiously optimistic. I am cautiously hopeful that in a few weeks we'll have those things set up. So if you are outside of the listening range, you can get us online. And not only can you get us on Twitter and Facebook and call the show, you can also text the show, hopefully. So a lot of changes coming up here in the uh, next few weeks. And as we get closer to that uh, Monday, May 3rd date, we'll, uh, you know, give you all the deets, uh, as the kids say. All right. Let's kick off today's show as I never sound older when I try to when I say stuff like that, right? 
That's why I always followed up with, as the kids say. Because if I just said, you know, get all the deets later, I would, I would sound foolish. I would sound like an old dude trying to act young, which I am not. All right, let's kick off today's show with the Rock Around the Region. I want to rock! And we start with girls' high school basketball, and we'll get more into these games later. A section playoff action last night. In Quad A, a Spring Mills rolled over Hedgesville 60-31. to Washington, unfortunately, could not play uh, due to COVID issues. So Musselman uh, moved on to its section final. In Triple A, Kaylee Crowell had 11 points and Maddie Broadwater had 10. As Kaiser beat Berkeley Springs 41-28, uh, the Golden Tornado will play at Hampshire this Friday for the section title. In double-A, Petersburg had no trouble with Moorfield, 81-35. So the Vikings will meet Frankfurt for the section title this Friday. That game will be played at Moorfield. Again, a quote-unquote neutral site. And in single-A last night, Union uh, doubled up East Hardy, uh, 42-21. Again, later in the hour, we'll break these games down even further, what they mean, who plays who next, what happened in the regular season, all that coming up here in just a bit. In Major League Baseball, <laughs> I mentioned the Pirates and Padres game last night. The Pirates somehow, someway, managed to overcome 13 walks and three hit batters by their pitching staff to beat San Diego 8-4 at PNC Park. Jacob Stallings had three hits and drove in three for the Bucs. Uh, Eric Gonzalez also had three hits and drove in some runs for Pittsburgh. Elsewhere, the Mariners and the Orioles split a doubleheader in Baltimore. Seattle took game one, four, three, and eight innings. Kyle Seeger, the game-winning hit in that one. And then in the nightcap. Here's the pitch. And a swing and a line drive up the middle base hit. Ruiz scores from third base. And the Orioles take it seven to six. Ramon Urias, your hero, as the Orioles pick up their first win at Camden Yards in 2021. The call on 105.7, the fan O's got the split with that victory thanks to Ramon Urias. They also snap a four-game losing streak. Cedric Mullins, red hot, had an RBI double for the O's. He is now hit safely in all 11 games this season. And the Nationals were hammered by the Cardinals 14-3, 14-3, Steven Strasburg got lit up. Seven runs on eight hits in just four innings. He walked five and struck out only three. He walked five. Is he pitched for the Pirates by any chance? Josh Harrison, former Pirate, had a two-run double for the Nats. On the ice last night, the Capitals went off in the first period against Philly. And now for Hagelin, who will turn and fire. Got it blocked off Voracek, but stays in the zone. Nice play by Dmitry Orlov. Centered here on a shot by Hagelin. He scores! Off of Elliott! Off to the races! It's 4-1 Washington! John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. Four first period goals for the Caps. And they went on to beat down the Flyers 6-1 to in D.C. Connor Sherry had a goal and two assists. Anthony Mantha had a goal and a helper in his Capitals debut. And tonight in the NBA, the Wizards wrap up their four-game West Coast swing with a stop in Sacktown, Sacramento. Washington is 2-1 and so far on the trip. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you 
by the Caporelli Group. So you may have caught it. Sound like I caught something. These allergies killing me. You may have caught it in the show open. I got my second COVID shot yesterday. So far, uh, so good. I don't feel terrible. I don't feel bad. Now, it hasn't even been 24 hours yet, so there's still time. Really, the only issue right now is my right arm, uh, where I got my second shot. Word to the wise. (laughs) If you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, but you plan to, whatever arm you get your shot in, keep that arm moving, especially after the second shot. Flex it, rotate it, stretch it, do whatever. Because I'm telling you right now, if you leave it sit for too long (laughs) and then you move your arm, it hurts like all get out. It hurts like, I don't know, like I got punched in the arm. It hurts like I got drilled with a fastball in, in my right arm. Right? So if you just keep it moving, it's not too bad. But if you just let it rest for a while and it gets stiff, oh, it, it, right where, where I got the shot, it hurts. Overall, though, don't feel bad yet. But again, there's still time. There's still time. As of, what is it, 7-12, it's almost... 21 hours since they got the shot. And I know it wasn't until the next day after uh, she got her second shot, Mrs. C was knocked on her butt for most of the day. So I'm still kind of, you know, I'm waiting for... Now, it, it varies. I've heard different stories, different people. Some people said they didn't feel anything at all after the second shot. Some people said, and the guy who gave me the shot yesterday is like, you might have aches and you know, some pains and chills and stuff like that. So I'm not exactly sure if that's ever going to happen. The question I have is this. How do you know if the shot is making you feel sluggish and crappy when you always feel sluggish and crappy, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, that's me every day. So how do I know? Like, how will I know if this shot makes me feel bad when I feel bad all the time because of this God-awful schedule that I work. I guess I'll feel, you know, more sluggish and more crappy. I don't know. But only time will tell. Again, so far, so good. I'm happy to get it. I'm happy to finally get it. I know they say it takes like two weeks after your second shot to become, uh, for lack of a better term, fully vaccinated for it to fully kick in, so I'm not out of the woods yet. Doesn't mean that I won't get it, the COVID, but with the vaccination, and I truly believe that it works, or else I wouldn't have gotten it. If I do happen to get the COVID, uh, I hope the you know the vaccine, it, you know, COVID won't kill me. Or it'll cut down on the severity of the illness. So it's not guess some people have this misunderstanding, like if you get the vaccine, you're you're good, you're clear, you're in the clear. But that's not the case because you get a flu shot and you can still get the flu. It just doesn't knock you on your butt as it would if you didn't get the shot. And then the thing with uh, what was the one yesterday I saw, the the Johnson & Johnson, right? Did you see that news release, that news come out yesterday? They have halted uh, administering the Johnson & Johnson, the one-shot deal 
because of some people develop blood clots? Is that what it was? So out of what they called an abundance of caution, they're, they're hitting the pause button on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And when I saw the numbers, my first thought was, really? Yeah, and I, I don't mean to be insensitive when I say that, but six people out of 6.8 million. Six. Now, if you're one of the six, obviously that stinks. And you feel bad for them. And you, I don't know if, if any of them died, but they developed severe blood clots after they get in, they got the Johnson & Johnson shot. But six out of 6.8 million? That's less. That's less than one per million. So if you look at those numbers alone, as a person who looks at the odds every now and then, you have a one in one million chance, more than a one in one million chance of developing these blood clots if you get the Johnson and Johnson. Those are pretty good odds. I'm just saying. Look, I understand people, they see that and they get scared. And I'm not telling you what to do. It's your life. Do what you want. If you see that with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and that worries you, then don't get it. Don't get it. It's your choice. It's your life. Do what you want to do. I'm just saying. Six out of 6.8 million, those are still pretty good odds. Those are still pretty good odds. If I hadn't, look, if I was in line, this is me personally. Again, do what you want. If I was in line to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and I saw that news yesterday, I'm still getting in line to get it. I like my chances at one and a million. I like my chances. Now, obviously, if you're one that gets it, you know, the odds didn't work in your favor. I just, no, those numbers, hey, we might get more information that maybe more and more people got these blood clots from, who knows? I'm just going off of what I saw yesterday. Six out of 6.8 million shots. Anyway, do what you want to do. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, all right, uh, it's too early for a break. Let's just move on to uh, some baseball. And I mentioned that the Pirates and Padres game last night. If you watched that game, if you were like me and my son, and you you sat through that uh, just absolutely brutal, but at the same time fascinating game, give me a call, 301-759-2628, because you are apparently either a diehard Pirates fan or Padres fan, or just a glutton for punishment. And... Me and Little C watched most of it, right? And the game the game was just like a train wreck. You, you couldn't take your eyes off of it. It was some of the worst pitching you'll ever see. A terribly sloppy game overall. But we couldn't turn it off. Even when it was 8-4 Pirates in the ninth, and it's after 10-30, and I knew I should have been in bed already, I had to finish watching it because who knew what we were going to see in the ninth inning? The, the game lasted four hours and seven minutes, and it only went nine. A nine-inning game. So much for baseball trying to cut down the time of game. Four hours and seven. And most of that is because the pitchers were terrible. The, t- the teams combined... This is one game, not a doubleheader, 
not a series. This is one baseball game. They combined for 17 walks, seven hit batters, one passed ball, three errors, three wild pitches, and they stranded 27 runners on base. Are wild pitches errors? Is that is that redundant when I say three errors and three wild pitches? Is that the same thing? I'm not quite sure. Uh, Padre starter Blake Snell, who I'll never be upset when he gets shelled. He didn't even make it out of the first inning. He threw 38 pitches, only retired two of the eight batters he faced. He was so bad. The Pirates had bases loaded with two outs and the pitcher coming up, and the Padres still pulled him from the game. Like They didn't even trust him against Chad Cool, the pitcher. Again, Snell, not one of my favorite players. I didn't feel bad for him at all. The Pirates pitching staff alone walked 13 batters, which, by the way, is a Padres team record for walks drawn in the game. The Pirates hit three batters, and they somehow won by four. I mentioned Chad Cole. He walked seven in just three and two-thirds innings. The Bucs used seven pitchers. Only two didn't issue a walk. And San Diego, man, I'm telling you what. I can sit here and laugh about it because the Pirates won the game. If I'm a San Diego fan and I watch that game, I'm beside myself. I know it's early in the season, but they were just brutal with the runners in scoring position. They stranded 15 runners in scoring position, including the bases loaded four times. And they hit into three double plays. When I say the game was brutal, it was brutal, but I still couldn't turn it off. And Greg Brown, who does the play-by-play for the Pirates, he, he just he, he was just laughing. It got to the point where he was just laughing at it. Like, what, what else are we going to see in a game like that? Pirates franchise record for walks in a game, by the way, is 14. So they barely missed that mark. The last time they won 13, or I'm sorry, the last time they walked 13 batters and still won a game, all the way back in 1979. Oddly enough, it was against the Padres. It's just one of those games that defies logic. When you look at the numbers, <laughs> I mean, and uh, the Pirates will take it. When you're a struggling team, when you're a real a rebuilding team, an ugly win is always better than a pretty loss, right? You'll take it. Pirates won't apologize for it. The ones who should apologize is the Padres. Like, I don't know how you are, how are you gifted 16 base runners? Gifted, handed to you. You didn't have to work for it. 13 walks, three hit batters. You are gifted 16 base runners and you only score four runs. I'm telling you, if I was a Padres fan, I would be more than a little upset after what happened last night. But the Bucs get the win. Oh, Shane checking in. Uh, no error charge for a wild pitch or pass ball. Uh, they are two different stats. Thank you very much, Shane, for clarifying that. I wasn't sure. Because I thought I had seen other errors in the game. I know 
Uh, the Pirates tried a pickoff attempt and threw it <laughs> almost into the stands. That was one error. So I didn't think that wild pitches and errors were one the same. So Shane, thank you very much for clearing that up. There you go. Which actually makes the stats even worse when now when you think about it. It might be easier to swallow if the three errors were the three pass balls. But they're two separate stats. Anyway, Bucks got the win. Bucks win. Bucks win. Raise the Jolly Roger. Four hours and seven minutes. You know you got a sports problem, right? Whenever you sit through that. You know you do. Anyway, time for a break. When we come back, we'll talk some high school hoops. Uh, Girls playoffs in the Mountain State underway. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland, ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. I figured a Sam Adams commercial at 7.30 in the morning. It was only appropriate to play the fat, drunk, and stupid uh, rejoin right after that. <laughs> kind of kind of flowed together there, right? Uh, one more thing about that Pirates Padre series tonight. Joe Musgrove takes the bump for San Diego. Of course, Musgrove uh, was with the Pirates before they traded him to his hometown of San Diego. Musgrove coming off the first no-hitter in Padres history. So I look forward to seeing what he can do against the Pirates tonight. Of course, uh, Pirates just faced another former pitcher, Trevor Williams, in the Cubs series, and they lit him up. So we'll see what the Pirates have for Musgrove tonight. It's always interesting to see how former you know players of your favorite team do somewhere else. And it's been well documented. We've talked about it on the show before about how pitchers just seem to leave Pittsburgh and turn into Nolan Ryan somewhere else. Or, you know, pick a good pitcher, a great pitcher. I saw Tyler Glass now, uh, was it on Monday for Tampa Bay? He went seven scoreless, 14 strikeouts. And here's a, here's a kid who dominated in AAA when he was in the Pirates organization. Do- dominated so much that they couldn't even send him back down because there's there was nothing else to prove. But then when he was with the Pirates, he, he couldn't get it, he couldn't get it right. He couldn't find the plate. He walked too many batters. Like he and you thought this guy, this kid's a bust. Like it, it was so impossible to figure out how he could be so dominant at triple A Indy. And then in the in the stints that he had with the Pirates, he just couldn't put it together. And then he gets traded to Tampa Bay. And he's phenomenal. Like, what? I, I I hope somebody along the line, if they haven't done it already, I hope somebody asks him, Tyler, what's the difference? What was the difference between playing in Pittsburgh, where you couldn't get it right, and playing in Tampa? Is, is it something as easy as the, a change of scenery? Is it something as easy as just getting the hell away from Pittsburgh and that organization? I mean, what is it? Charlie Morton, who was decent with Pittsburgh, he left there, and he's still pitching at a high level. Garrett Cole, I just mentioned Musgrove pitching a no-no a couple nights ago. 
Now, Jamison Tyone <clears throat> did get lit up with the Yankees. I think it was last night, as a matter of fact. So it happens. But you look at all the former Pirates pitchers doing very, very well in other places. And it just makes you sick to your stomach because that could be their rotation. Anyway. Uh, Let's switch gears to high school hoops. And we'll take a closer look now at the West Virginia girls section playoffs. Uh, From last night, we gave you some scores in the uh, rock around the region at the top of the hour. But now we're going to kind of see, break it down and see what it all means, right? And we'll start again in Quad A, a Region 2, Section 1, down in the Panhandle. Uh, Spring Mills uh, nearly doubled up Hedgesville 60-31. to So the second-seeded Cardinals move on to face number 1 Martinsburg for the section championship tomorrow night. The Bulldogs beat the Cards twice in the regular season by an average of 26 points. On the other side of that region, in Section 2, Washington, unfortunately, their season came to an end. They could not play because of COVID issues. So Musselman got a free pass to the section title game where they'll take on undefeated Jefferson tomorrow night. Obviously, since they're undefeated, the Cougars beat the Appleman twice in the regular season, 48-34, and then 50-26. to Moving down the triple-A. In Region 1, Section 2, a second-seeded Kaiser beat Berkeley Springs last night. So they now have a date at number 1 Hampshire on uh, this Friday night. Kaiser, they're hitting the playoffs in stride on a roll. Uh, they're 10-5. and five. They've won six of their last seven games. Hampshire is 8-6. and six. These teams, according to the uh, scores on the WVSSAC website, these teams split the regular season series both by identical 40 to 39 scores. Uh, Speaking of that website, oh, by the way, I thought that each school in West Virginia was required to post their scores because each team, each program has their own page on the WVSSAC uh, website. And you go looking for scores, some teams haven't posted anything. I thought it was a requirement. Somebody at the SSAC needs to step up and keep these teams in check. Because it's very hard for me to sit here and break stuff down when I look at a team's website and there's nothing there. There's either no scores or a team has like two scores up, which does me no good. So uh, Bernie Dolan, SSAC, get involved and hold these teams accountable, posting their scores On the website, please and thank you. Anyway, on the other side of the region, Region 2, Section 1, the top two seeds advanced last night. Unbeaten North Marion stayed that way with an 82-59 win over Oak Glen. And Weir beat Wheeling Central 68-51. So Marion will host Weir for the title on Friday night. In Class 2A, Region 2, Section 1, Second-seeded Petersburg cruised past Moorfield to set up the highly anticipated rubber match with Frankfurt on Friday night. The Falcons won the first meeting this season in short gap, 55-53, two-point game there. Petersburg protected its home floor later on in the regular season, 69-60. Now, as we talked about before, there will be no home floor this Friday. 
as the game will be played at a quote-unquote neutral site. Why? No idea. That's how they voted before the season started. To my knowledge, it's the only section in the state, to my knowledge, that's playing a section title game at a neutral site. Frankfurt, the number one seed in the section, they don't get to play at home because somebody decided that it was a better idea to play the game at Moorfield, which, by the way, isn't exactly a hop, skip, and jump. If you ever made the drive from Short Gap to Petersburg or Moorfield, it's not easy. If you ever did it on a school bus, it's brutal. <laughs> so Frankfurt, despite being the number one seed in the section, has got to get on a bus this Friday and head to Moorfield to play Petersburg in the section title game. And what's that for Petersburg? Like a 15-minute drive? I don't know why they did it. I, I, I've yet to hear a good reason why. Anyway, on the other side of the region, uh, two games were scheduled last night, and neither one was played. Notre Dame and South Harrison both had their seasons ended with uh, COVID issues. So number two, Braxton County, and number one, Trinity, coast into the section title game, which will be tomorrow night at Trinity. And in Class A, Region 2, Section 1, Union beat East Hardy, and they advanced to face number one Tucker County tomorrow night. Tucker is 14-4 on the year, swept Union in the regular season, 34-24 and 56-27. Of course, Tucker County trying to get to the state tournament for the 18th straight year, which is absolutely ridiculous. On the other side of that region in Section 2, a slight upset. Number three, Pocahontas County got by number two, Tigers Valley, uh, 37-29. Pocahontas will play at Pendleton County Friday night for that section crown. Uh, they only played once this season, which uh, Pendleton County won by 5-30-25. So that's, the, uh, that's how things shaped up last night with the section playoffs. Going to have a lot of section title games tomorrow and Friday night. Then, of course, the region co-finals are next week. Then the following week, you have the girls' state tournament in Charleston. Again, as we talked about yesterday, in case you missed it, since there are four classifications now, single, double, triple, and quad A, the state tournament has an extra day. Usually it's Wednesday through Saturday this year, and next year will be Tuesday through Saturday. So an extra day of a state tournament action in Charleston. That's for the, both the girls and the boys. Speaking of the boys... Some of the section and region seedings were released yesterday. We'll tell you where Hampshire, Kaiser, and Frankfurt fell in their respective uh, regions and sessions. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Suffered a uh, uh, a great tragedy yesterday evening. Got home from practice. Uh, little C had to leave in like an hour. He had stuff to do. So I decided to make some pizza. Some thin crust pizzas, right? And as I went to load one of said pizzas into the oven, I dropped it. I dropped it face down. Pepperoni, cheese, 
sauce everywhere. And as I stood there in bewilderment, looking down at this wreck of a pizza, I, I just, my heart broke. As an Italian, that that's like an artist spilling paint all over its masterpiece, right? It was just like, oh, can't believe I just did that. It's very traumatic, very traumatic. But I just I just made another one. All right. Uh, we're talking about the girls' section playoffs uh, last night. Things are starting to take shape around our region. Last night, uh, on the boys' side, some of the section and region seedings were released. Now, those playoffs start next week. In AAA Region 1, Wheeling Central is the top overall seed. Hampshire, as we talked about yesterday, very good club, very good team, is the second seed, followed by North Marion and then Trinity. Berkeley Springs is the fifth seed. Weir is six, Oak Glen seven, and Kaiser is the eighth seed. So breaking it down into Section 2, or teams that we are you know, more concerned about. Next week, I do believe it's Tuesday, Hampshire is hosting Kaiser for one section semifinal, and Berkeley Springs will play at Trinity. In A Region 2, all three Section 1 teams are seeded one through three in the region. Clay County is one, South Harrison two, Braxton County three. Then you have the three Section 2 teams. Frankfurt is fourth, Petersburg fifth, Moorfield is sixth. So, again, you break it down even further in the uh, in the section, Section 2, Frankfurt is the top seed, then Petersburg, then Moorfield. So, next Tuesday, Petersburg will host Moorfield in that section semifinal with the winner to face Frankfurt for the section title again at a quote-unquote neutral site. And then the region co-finals will be the following Thursday and then the boys' state tournament. So there you go. I didn't see anything about quad A and single A. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I'll continue to search. I got this stuff courtesy of my main man, Chapin Jewell, from the Mineral Daily News Tribune. Chapin, of course, the hardest working man uh, in regional sports. Uh, One quick note about Frankfurt's regular season finale tonight at Berkeley Springs. It is a varsity-only game. No JV game. Uh, Berkeley Springs called off the JV game. So the varsity game tonight, Frankfurt at Berkeley, will start at 6.30. And, of course, we will preview these games and get you all the scores and stuff uh, when they begin next week. And it was kind of, I don't know what the word is, sad, disappointing, I guess, because I didn't even know about this Berkeley Spring change until yesterday whenever I got to practice. And the JV kids didn't even know about it. And that was supposed to be, tonight, the last JV game of the season. So those kids who play JV only, their season got ended and they didn't even know it. I mean, they showed up to practice. And we basically said, sorry. I mean, what are you going to do? Kids worked hard. They played hard. They got better. But it, it was tough. You know, it, it, anytime, if you coach long enough, or coach at all, really, anytime a season ends, it, it's tough because you spend, I know this year is a little bit different 
wasn't exactly a full season. And this is what is incredible here. Like, tonight's game, Frankfurt at Berkeley Springs, is the last regular season game. Season only started at the beginning of March. It's only been a month. It's only been a month. And it, se- it's, it seems like a full season. It seems like it's lasted a couple months. But when you're playing games every other day and trying to squeeze a bunch of games in, it just seems long. It's only been a month. And then playoffs start next week. But if you coach enough, you uh, you obviously, you should anyway, uh, care about the kids you're coaching. And it's tough when the season comes to an end. Because there's always going to be change. There's always going to be turnover. You know, especially when the rate, you know, the whole season comes to an end because you're going to have seniors moving on. You know, and in this case, yesterday you had JV kids show up to practice and, and they were told, sorry, season's, season's over. And they just left, right? They just left. And you don't know, you don't know if, if those kids will be back next year. Some will, some maybe won't. You don't know what happens. It, it changes every single year. There's always that turnover. So when the season comes to an end, it's always uh, it's always difficult. So we'll see what happens. Again, when we talk about these sections, I can't really argue too much. It, I guess it did kind of catch me off guard a bit when I saw that Clay County, South Harrison, and Braxton County were all numbers one, two, and three in the region. Like, no love at all for this side of the region. But I tell you what, Clay, South, and Braxton, they're, they're good. they all have pretty good records. And they basically just beat on each other in the regular season. They're, they're, good, they're good teams. So whoever comes out, well, you know, you know it's going to be Frankfurt. Frankfurt and either Petersburg or Moorfield are coming out of that section for their region co-final. It's going to be tough because somebody's probably, probably, Going to have to go to Clay County, and they're they're good. You know, they got one uh, they got one six seven kid, and the other one's going to have to host either South Harrison or Braxton County if the seeds play out the way they are, and that's going to be tough as well. But that's why they play the games, right? That's why you suit up. That's why you show up because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. Crazy things happen in sports all the time. Coming up next hour, uh, we're going to do some NFL draft talk because the draft is two weeks from tomorrow. And Mel Kuyper Jr., draft expert, draft guru, this time of year he's always front and center, right? And with his big boards and his his mock drafts, and he released his mock draft 4.0 yesterday. And so we'll go through that, see who he has where, who you know who he has Washington taken. Pittsburgh taken, uh, Baltimore. Of course, you know it's going to be a quarterback-heavy draft. And so we'll get into that next. We'll hear from uh, Mel, Melly Mel, next hour. We'll also rock around the region next hour and get into uh, whatever else we can get into. Fair enough? James Conner, did you get uh, the James Conner news? Uh, He's gone. No longer a Steeler. Conner heading out to Pittsburgh West. Signing a one-year deal with uh, the Cardinals, so we bid farewell to James Conner. And look, Conner, great story, great story, great career at Pitt. 
had to overcome uh, the battle with cancer, which he did. Gets drafted by his favorite team, his hometown team, the Steelers. Just couldn't get it done. Just could, He couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't stay on the field. When he was healthy, he was decent. But he just couldn't stay on the field. So, again, great story. But great stories don't win championships. So we wish James Conner well out in Arizona. All right. Hour number one done. Hour number two around the corner doing push-ups. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230 Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Feel free. Anytime you feel uh, froggy, take the leap. Drop me a line. Say hi. Hey. Got a question, a comment, an opinion on anything we talk about? There you go. Also, taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-26. I am way too close to this microphone. Jeez. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shove all. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day minus commercials. So you can go back and listen to any show at any time. So, for instance, if you missed the first hour of the show, we talked about that Pirates-Padres debacle from last night. Four hours and seven minutes of just, this is bad baseball. We talked some high school hoops last hour. Breaking down the uh, girls' uh, section playoff action from last night. Little boys preview as some of the uh, seedings came out. Also, uh, I mentioned last hour that uh, I received my second COVID vaccine shot yesterday. If you were even you know concerned, which I, I doubt you were. But I told you anyway. So far, so good. We're almost 22 hours in. Except for a sore right arm. I feel all right. That could obviously change later today, but so far, uh, I feel all right. Relatively speaking to most days. All right, uh, one final time today, let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we will start with girls high school basketball section playoff action from last night. In quad A, Spring Mills rolled over Hedgesville 60-31. to Washington could not compete due to COVID protocol, so Musselman moved on to its section final. In AAA, Kaylee Crowell had 11 points and Maddie Broadwater had 10 as Kaiser beat Berkeley Springs 41-28. At one point, Kaiser led that game 19-2, and that was late in the first half. Uh, Kaiser now plays at Hampshire this Friday for the section title. In AA, Petersburg had no trouble with Moorfield 81-35, so the Vikings will meet Frankfurt for the section title on Friday, that game being played at a quote-unquote neutral site at Moorfield. And in single-way, Union doubled up East Hardy 42-21. In Major League Baseball, (laughs) speaking of that Pirates-Padres game, the Pirates overcame 13 walks and three hit batters by their pitching staff to beat the Padres 8-4 at PNC Park. Jacob Stallings had three hits and drove in three for the Bucks. Elsewhere, the M's and O's uh, played a doubleheader in Baltimore. Seattle took game one, 4-3 in eight innings. Kyle Seeger, 
the game-winning hit in that one. And then in the nightcap. Here's the pitch. And a swing and a line drive. Up the middle base hit. Ruiz scores from third base. And the Orioles take it 7-6. Ramon Urias, your hero. As the Orioles pick up their first win at Camden Yards in 2021. The call on 105.7 The Fan. O's got the split with that victory thanks to Ramon Urias. They also snapped the four-game losing streak. Cedric Mullins, red hot, had an RBI double for the O's. He has now hit safely in all 11 games this season. And the Nationals were hammered by the Cardinals 14-3. Steven Strasburg got lit up seven runs on eight hits in just four innings. He walked five and struck out just three. Uh, Josh Harrison, a two-run double for the Nats. On the ice last night, the Capitals went off in the first period against Philly. And now for Hagelin, who will turn and fire. Got it blocked off Voracek, but stays in the zone. Nice play by Dmitry Orlov. Centered here, and a shot by Hagelin. He scores! Off of Elliott! Off to the races! It's 4-1 Washington! John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. Four first period goals for the Caps. And they went on to a beat down the Flyers 6-1 in D.C. Connor Sherry, a goal and two assists. Anthony Mantha, a goal and a helper in his Capitals uh, debut. And tonight in the NBA, the Wizards wrap up their four-game West Coast swing with a stop in Sacramento, Washington. Uh, two and one so far on the trip. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Kappa Rally Group. All right. So. NFL draft coming up one or two weeks from tomorrow, which of course means a Mel Kuyper Jr. front and center. Mel's like uh, he's like the groundhog, right? Like once a year he comes out, and everybody everybody pays attention. Everybody, all eyes on Mel Kuyper Jr. this time of year. The the draft expert, the draft guru, with his big boards and mock drafts and whatnot. Mel released Mock Draft 4.0 yesterday. And as expected, uh, it's going to be a rather quarterback-heavy draft early in the first round. Kuyper sees five quarterbacks taken in the first 10 picks, something that has never happened before in the NFL draft. He has Jacksonville, of course, taking Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick. And the Jets... Uh, taking BYU's Zach Wilson with the second overall pick. And then there's the 49ers sitting at number three. Here's Niners reporter Nick Wagner. The next week is big for the 49ers as they decide which quarterback to take with the third pick. Coach Kyle Shanahan and GM John Lynch will get their first in-person look at Justin Fields on Wednesday and Trey Lance on Monday at their respective second pro days. Both players are expected to work from a script that includes 49ers offensive staples. While the Niners are keeping an open mind about which quarterback to take, Shanahan previously said that the team is comfortable with three quarterbacks and, quote, could get there with four and five. It's unclear where Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones rank in that pecking order, but the Niners' hope is that the next week will offer some much-needed clarity for one of the biggest decisions in franchise history. Uh, Mel does, by the way, have the Niners he taking Mac Jones at number three. So with Lawrence, Wilson, and Jones all going one, two, three, according to Mel Kuyper Jr., that leaves the Falcons sitting at number four. Now look, Atlanta 
they have to replace Matt Ryan sooner than later, right? Do they go with Trey Lance? Do they go with Justin Fields? Or do they go away from a quarterback and go with uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida? Or do they trade away to pick all together? Here's Jeremy Fowler. Sources tell me the Falcons are considering all options with the fourth overall pick, including trading back a few spots to get extra day two firepower for the mini rebuild. Execs are pegging the Broncos as a potential candidate to move up from number nine for a franchise quarterback. Atlanta will attend Justin Fields' second pro day Wednesday, and it also likes Kyle Pitts. Though, as Mel pointed out, the Dolphins could move up just two spots to take Pitts off Atlanta's hands and keep the Florida tight end in the Sunshine State. Now, in his uh, latest mock draft, Mel does have the Falcons uh, trading down two spots and giving Miami the fourth overall pick, and the Dolphins would take Kyle Pitts. Or, yeah, Pitts. I'm getting picks and pits uh, confused. And with that number six pick, uh, he has Atlanta taking Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Now, this is something that Mel always didn't. He he never included trades in his mock draft. He just he just picked who he thought the teams would pick one through thirty-two. Recently, he started including trades because look, trades happen. So you might as well start trying to figure them out. So he has the Falcons trading down to number six and taking Trey Lance. And Atlanta can afford to trade down because the Bengals are sitting there at number five. They got their franchise QB in Joe Burrow. And so Mel expects uh, Cincinnati to take a Panay Sewell, the offensive lineman, out of Oregon. So if Mel has five quarterbacks going in the top ten, that only leaves Justin Fields, right? out of Ohio State. And you heard Jeremy Fowler mention Fields, his second pro day is today. Uh, Mel has wide receivers going back-to-back the next two picks. LSU's uh, Jamar Chase going to the Lions at number seven. And Alabama's Devontae Smith to the Panthers at number eight. Personally, I think Smith is too small. That's just me. I'm not Mel Kuyper Jr. I know Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, great career at Alabama, I don't know if his size translates to the NFL. He is a small receiver. Jamar Chase, big receiver, sat out last year, so a lot of people kind of forgot about him because of the pandemic he chose not to play. But Mel has him going to the Lions at 7, Smith to the Panthers at 8. Then there's the Broncos sitting there at number 9. They need a franchise quarterback. And they will definitely give uh, Justin Fields some heavy consideration. And it really wouldn't be surprising to see Denver take Fields at number nine or move up to take another quarterback. But there's another team in need of its next franchise QB. And that would be the Patriots. But they're sitting at number 15. And Fields definitely won't be there at number 15. None of those quarterbacks we've talked about will be there at number 15. So Melly Mel says New England needs to make a move to get Fields, who Mel actually has as his second-rated quarterback on his big board. Time is now. you got a division now with Josh Allen. you got a division with Tua, and you got Zach Wilson. This isn't the Tom Brady dominating the division for 20 years. Now you're in the cellar. You're trying to figure it out at quarterback. And Cam Newton's there, but you need a young gun, and you need a guy like Justin Fields. Now you got to go up. 
to get him. Is 10 going to be high enough? Maybe that'll go up to 8 to get ahead of Denver. So we'll see how this all plays out. But I think sitting at 15, I'd be saying, oh, I think you sit there and get a quarterback. Uh-uh. That's not working. At 15, you're not getting one of these top five quarterbacks. So you're sitting there with Cam Newton, and you got to try to find or catch lightning in a bottle and find the next Tom Brady. Good luck on that. And that would be a perfect spot for a young quarterback. You got Cam Newton for one year, an opportunity for a young guy to get in there, play one year behind Newton, learn from him if Cam's willing to teach, and so you're not throwing your young QB right into the fire. Hey, remember there used to be a time in the NFL where rookie quarterbacks never even sniffed the field? Now, you youngsters may not realize that, but old heads like me realize that, remember that. They're, you know, quarterbacks just, with a few exceptions, they just never played. They were drafted and they were developed, right? Brett Favre didn't immediately start with the Falcons when he actually, he didn't start at all, did he? I'm sure he did. Yes, he did. He traded to the Packers. But back in the old days, when we walked to school uphill in the snow both ways, you drafted a quarterback and he didn't play. He sat behind the starter for a year or two. Until they thought he was ready. Nowadays, you draft a quarterback, he's he's in there day one. So it might benefit a young QB like Justin Fields if the Patriots go that route. To draft him, let him sit behind Cam for a year, and then hopefully he's ready the year after that. Now, you may have heard me say that Mel Kuyper has Fields as the second best quarterback in the draft. So then the question is, well, how can he have Fields dropping to number 9 or 10 if he's the second-best QB in the draft? Well, Mel says there's a difference between his big board and his mock draft. You don't worry about mock drafts when you're ranking players. You don't really care where they're going to go. I've had first-rounders that went in the third round. I've had third-rounders, great, great guys graded as third, fourth rounds, go in the late first, early second. So you don't let a mock draft impact your ratings at all. And so Justin Fields, I've been steady, consistent with him all year. He's my number two highest-rated quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. Others disagree strongly with that, and a lot of them have him as the fourth or fifth quarterback. So that's why I went with the consensus key on that in terms of the mock draft. Dropped him down to 10, have New England trading up to get him. But, hey, there's Denver sitting there. You have Washington. You have Chicago. There's going to be a lot of activity. I can't put four teams trading up for one guy. So I picked one that made sense, and that was New England in that case. So in Italian, what he's saying is the big board is just – he ranks who he thinks are the best overall players – in the draft. In his mock draft, he's trying to figure out what teams are going to take what players and where. Because we all know, not every team has the same needs. I mean, last year, I did my first-round mock draft. I got two first-round picks right. Two out of 32. It's impossible to know what these teams are talking about and thinking about behind closed doors, what kind of discussions they're having. As the draft approach, even for an insider like Mel Kuyper, who he's got connections upon connections. He's got connections that got connections to connections. And it's impossible to figure out when you try to put a, a mock draft together what, because there's always one or two teams that are going to pull something that nobody saw coming, right? There's always one or two teams, Chicago Bears, that are going to do something that nobody expected. They'll be sitting in the top 10, and and you think they got a surefire pick with this guy or that guy, 
and then they pull somebody out of left field, some left guard from Montana State. So, and that throws, and once that happens, the re, it's almost like uh, picking games in the NCAA tournament, right? When you pick your brackets, you think you have everything figured out, you think you have everything down, and as soon as that first upset happens, you might as well take your bracket and chuck it, flush it. It's dead. Mock drafts are the same way. Like, as soon as a team goes against the grain, Chicago Bears, and does something that nobody expects, the rest of the draft just falls apart. Mock drafts, that is. By the way, I will have my mock draft. <laughs> I will I will make the futile effort uh, two weeks from now to try to figure out who takes who in the first round. Now, even if the Patriots don't jump to the eight spot, they might still get Fields at number 10 if they can pull off a deal with the Cowboys. Mel has the Broncos taking Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons with the number nine overall pick. Parsons, like Jamar Chase, sat out last season uh, due to the uh, pandemic. So if the big names, the big quarterbacks, Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, Lance, and Fields, if they all go in the top 10, the next question is, who is the next quarterback to be drafted? And when and where will he go? There's the drop-off. Davis Mills has emerged, and he kept watching him during the course of the year. He had the five starts, only 11 career starts. That's it for a highly rated kid coming out of high school that David Shaw was very high on. But I think when you look at the skill set, the size, the arm, the movement when he's healthy and durability is something he's got to prove once he's in the NFL, has some injury issues. But you look at Davis Mills now as the sixth quarterback ahead of Kellen Mond, Texas A&M, ahead of Kyle Trask, Florida, and possibly in the mid to late second round area, maybe for Washington. You think about a team like that in the middle of the second could be interesting. But I think Davis Mills, I think if I had to bet right now, Kev, he would be my sixth quarterback coming off the board. So, something to look at. Davis Mills, who played at Stanford, possible a second round selection for Washington. Uh, just because these, these quarterbacks go off the board early doesn't mean that <laughs> there aren't still teams out there with quarterback needs. You know, you're going to have uh, Mills out there. You're going to have the kid from Florida still out there, uh, Kyle Trask, right, who I thought was very impressive last season. He's likely to be a second-round pick. Now, again, there's always it might be a team late in the first round, you never know, who likes a Mills or a Trask better than most people, and they take him in the late first round. You never know. Uh, for the record, in his latest mock draft, uh, Mel has – the Washington Fighting Riveras, taking Notre Dame linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa with the 19th overall pick. He has the Steelers at number 24, taking Alabama running back Najee Harris, which I don't like that at all. Nothing against Harris, very good running back. But the Steelers have more needs than that. And he has the Ravens taking LSU receiver Terrence Marshall Jr. at number 27. So there you go. Will any of that happen? Your guess is as good as mine. Because that's all it is right now. It's just guesswork. It's educated guesswork to try to figure. Now, the Ravens taking a receiver, that's not far-fetched because they need a number one receiver. They need somebody to stretch the field. They need someone to help Lamar Jackson out. So I can see them taking a a kid like Marshall uh, late in the first round. Steelers with a running back. Oh, man. 
I don't know. I honestly don't know if that'll work. Because the offensive line, it, it was bad last year. I don't see it getting much better this year, and I don't care who you are. I don't care how good of a running back you are. If you don't have the O-line, it doesn't matter. Washington taking a linebacker out of Notre Dame. I guess if you want to add to your strength, okay, I can see that. I certainly don't see Washington taking a quarterback with that first-round pick, not at number 19. Not at number 19. Unless they want to take a flyer on the Mills kid or Trask or whoever else. But we'll see. I'm sure Mel will have 18 more mock drafts come out in the next two weeks. And again, I'll give you mine uh, two weeks from today as we'll get ready for that first round on Thursday and then the second, third rounds and whatnot to follow Friday, Saturday, and on and on and on. All right, time for a break. Uh, News and weather coming up next. And then we'll talk about a decision up in Buffalo that may not make uh, too many Buffalo fans very happy. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. All right, let's head to the Rush line right now. Again, 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? This is James. What's up there, Mr. Soprano? What's up, man? Hey, uh, I wanted to pass on something. I was hoping you'd be proud of me. All right. I'm in my hockey fantasy playoffs. Okay. Already? Number two, number two overall. I know you're a hockey guy. Yeah. Last year, because of COVID, I I got snuffed out there in the playoffs because everyone stopped playing. But right. I would have won that. I would have won that championship hands down. This year, I'm number two overall. I'm the highest scorer and highest scored on. <laughs> highest score and highest scored on. All right. So. Yeah. You, so your differential isn't that uh, isn't that great, right? But <laughs> it's not from a lack of trying. Not. I, I have not. I haven't done fantasy hockey in ages. It's been forever because I don't do fantasy sports at all anymore. What? No, I don't. I don't do football. I, look, I did fantasy football for so long that I just it, I got burned out. I mean, I was doing fantasy football back in high school, and we still had to look at the newspaper for right. all the stats. And it, it got on paper. Yeah, it got to a point where I just I couldn't do it anymore. I, I, just, I got burned out. Well, I got a baseball one too. I had Strasburg starting yesterday. Ooh! <laughs> Thank God they don't they don't give us minus points for losses. Seven runs on eight hits in four innings. He got shellacked. <laughs> but I think my success in these leagues are because I'm in leagues that these guys have no idea about hockey. That helps. None. That helps. It helps year, to have the first, edge. Yeah, well, last year, my first and second rounds, I got Connor McDavid with the fifth pick. Really? And sec- yeah, and then the second round, I got Drysaddle. How's he there in the second round? Because you're playing with guys who don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. So this year, I didn't have either. I have Austin Matthews. Oh, yeah, he's only you know the league's leading scorer. He's scorer. killing it. He's killing <laughs> it. So I know what I'm looking for. But I'll tell you, everything's coming full circle now because my main guys have been injured early in the year, and now they're healthy again, except for – Horvat and Point, they're still out. But Landis Cog and, and Backstrom and Marshawn, they're all they're all killing. That's a that's, but, a that's a loaded team. My goodness. Yep, yep. But then my defense too. I had Fox, Martinez, Truba. They're all killing it right now. Get healthy so, at the right time when you need I, it. 
That's right. So I figured you'd get a little kick out of that because yeah. hockey around here, hockey's not as big. Plus, I got a Pittsburgh guy on my team, Trocheck for for the Hurricanes. <laughs> That's huh? right. You, Trotsky, I forgot about him. You gotta love it. So my league's out of Dallas. And I don't think they knew that a guy uh, from nowhere in West Virginia that <laughs> is fluent in Pittsburghese would be killing it this year. It's, only a, it. it's only a hop, skip, and a jump away, man. Yep. So I, I wanted to ask you about Devontae Smith. You don't think he looks like Marvin Harrison? I can't remember how big Harrison was. He couldn't have been, he couldn't have been that small. Smith is small. He is small, but he's good. He's Yeah, he's good. And, and in the SEC, with Alabama, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to stink. But to take him with at seven eight overall, I just don't like his size. I don't think his size transfers to the NFL. That's just me. Plus Marvin Harrison, he had uh, some little known quarterback for yeah. him in yeah. his career. Yeah, Peyton Manning. So that helps a lot as well. So I, you don't think that Washington's going to be interested in trading with Atlanta for that fourth pick? Uh, I'm sure they'll be interested. I don't know if Atlanta Atlanta needs a quarterback. They're not going to. F- Atlanta is not going to trade out of a spot where they can't take a quarterback. They're not dropping down to 19. A lot of my mock drafts have them picking pits. Well, Only why. He'll be sitting there at four. Like I said, they got to replace Matt Ryan sooner or later. Uh, they do. And they need someone to sit behind him for a year or two. Yeah, so it makes sense for them to you know trade down a few spots, give Miami the four pick, take Miami number six, where a quarterback will still be there. And Man, then go from there. If Washington still had Dwayne Haskins, that might be trade bait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'm going to go now. All righty. Thank you for All the right. call, James. All right. See you, Tony. See you. 301-759-2628. I wonder if he has me on speakerphone. Cause I, there's two days in a row James has called, and I get this reverb in my in my ears. Like there's an echo. When I, like when I talk, there's just like this – I don't know if I can just hear it or what it is. Maybe the first time, if I'm not mistaken, in the year and a half plus of this show, we've ever talked fantasy hockey on this show. I used to be big in fantasy hockey. Back, I'm I'm yeah, I'm gonna go back in like uh late nineties, early two thousands, and then I just I just fell off. I tried fantasy baseball once, made it through about three weeks, and that was it. It's too, too much. I don't have the, admittedly, I don't have the attention span to sit there and track every single day. I just don't. I just don't. That's why football is, was more my speed. Because you have one game a week. Or, you know, one slate of games a week. Now, it's gotten a little more difficult or different because now you have games on Thursday, sometimes Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So you have to stay a little more on top of it. But uh, I don't know if I want to get back into it, but I think we need to talk about it more. I know a lot of people are interested in fantasy sports. I think because we don't talk about it a lot because I don't get into it a lot, but I got to change that. I I did it for too long. I did it for too long. Again, I was in fantasy football when I was in high school, back before, you know, the internet, (laughs) when you literally had to get the newspaper and check the agate page and pull all the stats out of that to keep track of, of, you know. God bless anybody who ran a league back in those days. 
because they had to keep tabs on all that stuff. There are no cell phones. There are no. There are no iPads. There are no devices. There were you know there weren't all these these you know uh, sites online. It was all out of the newspaper back when newspapers you know kind of ruled the roost. I just did it for so long I got burned out. I bet you I did fantasy football for twenty five years, give or take. Just couldn't do it anymore. I just lost interest. Hockey was it was decent. I like doing hockey because again, hockey games are like once every. I mean, you'll have games every night, but to me, it was different than baseball. Baseball was just my goodness. Who's starting? Who's not starting? Anyway, and then basketball. I don't think I've ever done a basketball fantasy league ever. Uh, something happened. It didn't happen yesterday. Well, I mean, it happened yesterday, but it wasn't like something happened to me. And I was told that I was weird for this. Just want to throw it out there. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I got my second COVID shot yesterday. Got it down in Kaiser. Still feel pretty decent right now. And because I was out and about, I figured I would just pick up lunch and take it home. And I, I think we all do things that we feel it's normal to us but other people just see weird and I was told yesterday that I am weird because I refuse to use the napkins from a fast food place you know just whenever you get, you get uh, go through the drive through and they take a handful of napkins and, and stuff them in the bag I, I, I won't use them won't use them I will have my own napkins in my vehicle if I'm eating in the car, which I don't do very often. But for whatever reason, I simply will not use the napkins from a fast food place. Never thought twice about it until yesterday when I was told I was weird for doing that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Seemed pretty all right to me. Another thing that I maybe we should do a poll, not maybe a poll, but like a daily question. Like, what, what are some of the things that you do that you consider normal that other people think is weird? Another thing that I do, I love chips and cheese. Love it. Love it. Love it. Give me some tortilla chips, some nacho cheese. Doesn't have to be, you know, loaded like at the ballpark. Just a simple bowl of nacho cheese and some chips. Love it. I will not waste anything when it comes to that. If I have a bag of uh, tortilla chips and you get to the bottom of the bag and there aren't any scoopable pieces, you know, they're all broken up, I'll pour them in a bowl, then I'll put the cheese on top of it and mix it up and then eat it like a bowl of cereal with a spoon. And I was told I was weird for doing that. I never thought, again, what's the problem? I'm not wasting food. It might look funny eating nachos and chips out of a bowl with a spoon. It's still delicious. It's still chips and cheese. It's just not a conventional way. <laughs> just thought it was funny. I just thought it was funny that I was being told I was weird a couple times yesterday for doing things that I just thought were just, you know, things. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that uh, tomorrow or maybe Friday. Have a fun Friday. Like some of the things that some of the things, I'll put it on Facebook too. Maybe I'll do that after the show. Try to get a day's worth of answers. 
some of the things that you do that you think are normal. The other people are like, really? That's what you really? Anyway. All right. Uh, let's time for one last break. When we come back, we'll get to the Buffalo story. And we'll also uh, check out the player who delivered last night. Then we'll wrap it up and then go home. At least I'll go home. I don't know what you'll do. I have no idea. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230. Also get a uh, last second call in. 301-759-2628. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. I was talking uh, last segment about some things that I do that I was told was weird. Like, I don't, I won't use the napkins from a fast food place. They put them in a the bag, I won't use them. I also eat uh, chips and cheese out of a bowl, like cereal with a spoon. If, if, if I get, you know, the crumbs on the bottom. James checks in and says, I lost it. Wait a minute. Here it is. He says he has to have ketchup on a hot dog. Didn't hear it was weird till he was an adult. See, I don't, I don't think that's weird. I know a lot of people that do that. Now, I don't, but I don't think it's weird. I know a lot of people who go ketchup, the ketchup route on a hot dog. Me, I got to have mustard. To me, nothing else goes on a dog but mustard and occasionally onions. If I really want to blow out my intestines, I go the onion, chili, and uh, nacho cheese route. Now, when I was a kid, I did ketchup on a dog, but not anymore. And then he, James also says he gets uh, called weird for calling them uh, dippy eggs. Now, again, I don't think that's weird because I do. I think that's a regional thing. I think if you get outside of, because I grew up in Southwest PA, and we called them dippy eggs, sunny side up. Yeah, a little buttered toast, you dip them in, dippy eggs. Now, if you, you go outside of this region, People were going to like, what the hell are you talking about? Dippy egg. What? So, yeah, I think that would be weird when you go outside of where we live. But here, I got no dippy eggs. That's To me, that's that's normal. That's normal. I'm putting that on Facebook. I want to know. I want to know from other folks what they do that they think is normal that other people think is weird. All right, uh, before we get out of here, let's check on the player who delivered Brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the Marlins' Adam Duvall? Duvall had four hits, including two homers, and drove in seven runs against his old team. In Miami's 14-8 win over Atlanta, it's always good to do it against your old team. Duvall tied a Marlins record, becoming the sixth Marlin to drive in seven runs in one game. So Adam Duvall... Our player who delivered yesterday brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Programming note coming up this afternoon, some Nationals baseball for you right here on this very station. The Nats uh, taking on the Cardinals in St. Louis. Uh, pre-game is 12:45. first pitch at 1.15. Joe Ross takes the bump for the Nats. Adam Wainwright uh, for the Cards. So there you go. Tune in for Nationals action here on Cumberland's ESPN Radio. So I saw this Buffalo story. And in case you don't know, Buffalo is in Erie County, New York. And 
they had their weekly COVID-19 briefing. And they discussed a plan that would allow full attendance at both Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Sabres games this fall. Which I think, all right, I like it. That's cool. Let's get back to normal. Full attendance. Got no problem with that. You're scared, don't want to go? Don't go. But here's the kicker. Under the county's plan, all fans and staff would be required to be fully vaccinated for COVID-19. And that's where things get a little bit sticky. Uh, The county said they're working with the Bills and the Sabres uh, to ensure the safety of those attending the games. Obviously, both teams want the seats full come the fall. But according to this plan, mass testing will not be required in order to buy a ticket. Instead, fans will be required to provide proof of vaccination. And apparently, uh, New York has this Excelsior Pass app, which can show proof of vaccination. There's no way this happens. No way. What what if you, basically you're telling people, you're forcing people, that if you want to go see a Bills or a Sabres game in person, you have to get vaccinated. What if you are a, a Bills season ticket holder or a Sabres, I can't imagine anybody being a Sabres ticket holder, season ticket holder. What if you've had Bills season tickets for 30 years? Then all of a sudden the team says, hey, going to let fans back in the stadium, but you got to be vaccinated first. Like, I don't see how they can enforce that. I don't see how they can tell a season ticket holder who, look, there are a lot of people out there who don't want to get vaccinated for whatever reasons. And that's fine. Again, I've said before on the show, it's your life. Do what you want to do. People don't trust the vaccines. Uh, they're scared of the vaccines. They what are they what do they call them? Uh, the anti-vaxxers who don't take any vaccines for anything. But now you're going to tell these people if you want to go see a Bills game in person or a Sabres game in person, you have to get vaccinated or you can't get in. There's no way that flies. There's no way. I, I don't know if, if a lawsuit can come out of that. I don't know. Because certainly, if you're a longtime season ticket holder, you're not going to give those up. You're not going <laughs> to. But are you going to pay for them? I mean, that, that, that's a situation that they're going to be in. Either buy these, these season tickets, but not be able to go because I'm not vaccinated, or give them up. It is a slippery slope indeed. When, because look, millions of people have already been vaccinated, okay? I said earlier, I got my second shot yesterday. I'm happy I did. But it's a real slippery slope when we start talking about you can do this, you can't do this if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Because there are still a lot of people who aren't. And you are going to PO a lot of people. Like, I don't see how that can be enforced. Now, Buffalo, you know, the bill said, hey, they're, they're just going to work with the county like they have been. 
And wherever it goes, it goes. Uh, The Bills released a statement saying, as we did last year, we will continue to cooperate and comply with all New York state and local government regulations regarding our sporting events, end quote. Like, put yourself in that situation. You don't even have to be a Bill. Let's say you're a uh, Steelers fan or a Washington uh, football team fan or a Ravens fan. And you have season tickets or you just want to you just want to go to a game. They say, hey, letting, letting fans in, we're going full capacity. Let's rock and roll. And you get excited and you buy tickets and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You, are you vaccinated? No, you can't come. Like, I, I don't, there's no way. There's no way that gets enforced. So this is definitely going to be a story that uh, I'm going to follow because I want to see what comes what comes of all this. Because again, I don't see how I don't even know how it's legal to tell you the truth. We'll see. Old Buffalo, never a dull moment in Buffalo. Can I just say this real quick before we get out of here? Uh, people who uh, create floating ads on websites need punched in the face. Can I just say that? Because as, as I'm trying to scroll through this Buffalo story. You know what I'm talking about? When you scroll through a web page and the page scrolls, but the ad doesn't, it just stays right on top and the page scrolls underneath. People who do that, you need punched in the face. Get the let get the ads out of the way. Let them scroll up the page so I know, so I know what I'm looking at. Anyway. Don't forget Nats baseball this afternoon. I just mentioned it not too long ago, 1245 uh, pregame, 115 is a first pitch. Hopefully the Nats uh, fare better than they did last night. They got shellacked uh, by the Cards 14-3. If you missed any of today's show, we talked some high school hoops. Talked NFL draft. We talked me getting my second shot yesterday. We talked about weird things that I do. That's too loud. I hate when that happens. I hate it. Anyway, check out our podcast page on the free Podbean app for any of the show that you missed. You want to go back and check out. All right, show's over. I'm done. Final hour of KJZ coming up next. Stick around. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is Morning Rush. I'm Tony C. And I am done. Ah! See ya!